Mayfield and Beloved presents Camp Here and There, Episode 4, The Prophecy of Reversal. campers. Let's get the ball rolling on this fine forenoon and kick things off with some announcements. How did y'all sleep? I certainly slept well. Jedediah had me try the snake oil tea to help me rest and woo! That stuff will knock you right out. <laughs> Don't try it. The time is 8.60 a.m. and the sky is painted such an acidic shade of yellow that, well, I'd advise you all to avoid staring at it for too long. Warn your fellow campers not to look up if you don't want to learn what it looks like when a child's irises melt off. Not that it'll matter. You'll be too preoccupied to look up today anyway, because kids, I have some great news about this morning. All morning activities are canceled because we're receiving a surprise visit from the Grave Digress. Woo! For those of you who are new to camp here and there this year, the Grave Digress is a wondrous witch who tends to the death fields down south. Using her powers of reanimation, not the same thing as necromancy by the way, the Grave Digress's magic can breathe a convincing imitation of life into your corpses. Dead pets? Dead relatives? Found a squirrel decaying on the forest floor? You better have those corpses handy when the Gravediggers comes around cause she'll get them up and dancing like a crunchy marionette in no time! Of course, they'll all be corpses again once she leaves. If you want to see your dead pet or relative attain a more permanent state of reanimation, you'll have to make the pilgrimage down to the Death Fields, a place where the Gravediggers' illegal magics have long since seeped into the very soil. Just make sure to get comfy with decomposition first. The earth over there can keep your loved ones moving, but it won't keep them from rotting! Now, I'm- you just telling him? To go to the death fields. Huh? Jetty? It's the death fields. You can't just tell them to go over there. They can't handle that. You, re you really think so? Yes, it's... Yes! Uh, geez, okay, okay, I'll, fine. Jedediah has reminded me that it's super against the rules for campers to go to the death fields, as they represent some of the most dangerous and unethical magic that mankind is capable of. But if you really want to, I'll be your chaperone. I won't tell. So I'm sure all of you are jumping with excitement at the prospect of seeing our friend the Gravediggeress this morning. That's sweet, but it'll be another half hour or so before she arrives, so in the meantime, why don't you all get healthy helpings of the great breakfast that Matthew so kindly made for us. On today's menu is watermelon cut into dodecahedrons, toppling tower tofu, and a healthy helping of the snack that smiles back. Sausage. And that about does it for this morning's news. Stay safe, my little mole rats. And remember, when you die, you will rot. Love you. Woo! 
Well, now, campers, wasn't that a delight? The way you all clapped and cheered when Miss Gravediggers dragged herself into camp, her long, broken legs contorting into sickening perversions of form as she forced her body to locomote, playing both puppet master and marionette. Well, it just warmed my heart to see you kids so excited. I'm sure that if the Gravedigger's heart was not a dried-out frozen husk, it would have been warmed as well. <laughs> the show she put on was pretty spectacular. A veritable troop of woodland cadavers. Little skeletal squirrels ragtiming with teensy top hats. Featherless birds tracing anthems in the sky. Bloodied rabbits hopping to the beat. And a symphony of half-eaten frogs playing little orchestral instruments. 13-year-old Calvin from Cabin Ladybug brought along the corpse of his family dog, a darling little terrier named Scotty. And wouldn't you know it, with just a wave of the Gravedigger's desiccated hand, what remained of little Scotty was dancing and crooning like all the rest. Oh, and when his little head popped off! Well, you were all there, huh? You don't need a review. Anyway, good times. Put in a good word for the Gravedigger's on Warlock Yelp, and maybe she'll come back again this summer. <laughs> Warlock Yelp. <laughs> I'm funny. Ah, but there is some rather concerning news in the wake of the Gravedigger's egress. As kids from Cabin Ladybug will already be aware, a counselor by the name of Soren Baltimore is absent from the lunch lineup today. We can't find him. Anywhere, in fact. Now, as all counselors are taught, deserting your post is extremely against policy. Lucille has a habit of disciplining deserters with <sighs> immense prejudice. Run away and pay, as she always says. So, Soren, if you're somehow hearing this, I would really advise you to head on back and turn yourself in. Things will get very ugly if she has to go out and look for you. Uh, kids, counselors, if you happen upon dear Mr. Baltimore, just grab him by the arm and drag him back to the administration building. There's a jolly rancher in it for you. Anywho, activities for this afternoon include running with scissors, dancing on ladders, and swimming in a thunderstorm. Oh, these really do sound fun. Lunch today will be tiger-striped tarts and tofurkey lemonade. And I believe that's all. Have fun out there today! Hmm? Oh, Salem, Marisol. Kids, I'm joined by the two counselors from Cabin Grasshopper. What we found Soren. Those fumes you're always talking about? Salem saw him by breathing the bonfire. Oh, it was so cool, Sydney. She, like, stood near it and got all still in a trance before she blinked and told me. Ha! <laughs> That's the bonfire for you. So, where is our slippery friend? He's... Hey, is the intercom still on? You're done with announcements, right? Well, yeah, but this is important, don't you think? You think the kids need to be hearing this? I mean, it's for everyone, kind of, but yeah? I mean, wouldn't they want to know? You really... I... Oh no! Turn this off! Hey, stop it! You're disrupting the integrity of the mealtime announcements! Only I touch this button! Ugh, yeah, 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 and that's real annoying, Sydney. Okay. Okay, you know what? We can argue about this later. He's... He's left the campgrounds heading south. You mean... To the death fields. Yeah. I saw him walking up the hill. The Grave Digress was just a little ways ahead of him. And we talked to Fennel. They told us Soren's had this obsession with necromancy and mortality since they've known him. Oh, the Grave Digress is not a necromancer, though. Well, she's as close as you'll get, I guess. Well, kids, this is an interesting development, isn't it? Soren Baltimore seems to be making his way toward the death fields. The patch of soil down south where the line between life and death is blurred in exciting ways. I suppose I'll talk to uh, you. You turned it back on? 
How long has this been running? Sydney, for God's sake, why insist on stressing out the kids? You're really testing me here. Ahem! I'll talk to Lucille about this and see if we can mount a rescue mission. In the meantime, campers, sit tight. They deserve not to be in the dark about stuff like this. Turn it off! Down past the south side fence and up Churchover Hill, there's a wheat farm where soil and grass alike are deathly shades of gray, where the rotten fruit trees impart their desiccated boons, and the wheat does not sway in the wind so much as flail and shudder and gasp. Its true nature is known to few and understood by fewer, for none can set foot on the soil without suffering great reprisal from the bitter magic buried within, and none can translate the death-rattled speech of the farm's soul-sentient denizen. Us locals lovingly refer to the place as the Death Fields, and as the name might indicate, it is not a place where the still-breathing are welcome. But we all took history class in school, right? We all know the story. Fourteen centuries prior to the present day, the deranged spree of a fierce emperor, and the trail of evisceration he left in his wake, the dirt turning sallow and barren with regret as it drank the blood of countless pigs, cows, and farmers, the plants withering under the weight of the land's grief, Back then, there lived one dauntless magician who loved her land and her people so dearly that she sacrificed everything she had to bring it all back to life. But true necromancy, as she would come to learn, is impossible. Thus, the spell that she cast was one of perpetual motion, without the grace of flourishing life. Instead, life without death. Life without the miracle of birth or the mercy of death. Just eternal awareness and eternal sickness. To this day, the land moves. It shudders and shakes and shifts with the seasons. Its creatures, large and small, stumble across the Schrodinger's waste, crying out for release, always rotting, but never rotting away. And of all the sundry beasts who walk and think and suffer on that cursed land, not one heart still beats. Well, Lucille didn't particularly want to go to all the trouble of retrieving Soren, but when she learned that I was dead set upon it, she agreed to come along. She's so reliable. So the two of us zipped up our ever-stylish hazmat suits, Lucille popped an antihistamine for her wheat allergy, and we pocketed a couple of glass eyeballs for protection and luck, and we were off. Campers, you know how sometimes you look into an animal's eyes and find them lacking? Empty like a doll's, like a fish or a hamster, beady and black, no shine, no thought, a pure vacuum that may suck you in if you get too close. The gravedigger's eyes looked like that, as she stood upon the sickly soil and beckoned Soren closer. Not that they'd ever looked alive per se, but the darkness about them in that moment was exceptional. Her voice, as she murmured her unintelligible murmurs, had taken on this milky quality, and it quivered in an oddly inorganic way, like the vibration of a hollow iron rod. And her hand, 
She had removed her gloves and campers. When I describe her fingers as bony, I invite you to interpret that in the most literal possible sense. Emerging from robes of layered gothic debonair, the joints of her hands creaked themselves into a beckoning, welcome shape. She sorta of reminded me of my mother. Anyway, Soren was kneeling upon the divide at the bottom of Church Overhill, the point where the green grass abruptly gives way to a toxic expanse of dead, deadly dirt. He had not yet touched the soils of the fields, but if I've ever seen a man in the throes of temptation, I saw it today. Then Lucille yanked him by the shirt collar and gave him an earful. Boy, did that snap him out of it. And after he'd been thoroughly dressed down for his treason, he was willing to walk back to camp with us. Just before we started back up to the hill, I looked back at the death fields and, of course, the dear old Gravediggeress had disappeared. I can't believe she nearly snatched Soren right out from under our noses. She's a sly old rascal, isn't she, kids? Anyway, Soren hasn't spoken a word since he got back to my office. Isn't that right, Soren? Yeah, he's not talking. Just sitting in a two-small chair, staring at the wall. Must be rattled. I'd like to invite Fennel Marlborough, Soren's fellow counselor at Cabin Ladybug, to come down here and bring your friend some dinner. Me and Jetty might need your help sorting this guy out. And tonight's meal is robin wings with rutabaga sauce, macaroni paste, and a blueberry merry blast guaranteed to blast you, as labeled by Matthew. Wow, don't we just love him? Tonight's activity is a camp-wide playing card game, complete with special 3D glasses to make the monsters in those little plastic squares really pop! Have fun, little blue jays! Enjoy your meal! Hello, ghost recorder. It's 2525 again. I had a fun day, but things are still going missing from my office. Not just that, they're going missing from my room. There was this precious little rabbit stuffed animal I've had for years that is just gone. I know I haven't moved it from the plush pile, and Jedediah never touches it, so yeah, really suspicious. I hung up this craft project. The kids gifted it to me. It's a wreath of spears from the battle cabin. I hung it up on the door of my study, and it's quite fashionable, I think. Perhaps it'll scare off any would-be thieves. I can't always guard the room myself, since I've been spending a lot less time in there lately. I'm trying to make sure Jetty gets to sleep, see? He'll be joining me here in our bedroom soon, and I think he's in his office right now, but, you know, I've been knocking at his door all night, bothering him for his company. But it's like, you know, I tell him it's because I need his company, but really, I just want to make sure he's in the bedroom so he'll want to sleep. It's my little evil scheme. Devious, right? He's gonna want to hear about the death fields anyways. Or at least I'm gonna want to tell him. Maybe he'll have a- Ah, you're recording your journal thing. Hi. Oh yeah, I was. Am I interrupting? No, no, no. It's all right. Trust me, I'd rather talk to you. How's um, your project? Uh, enough of that. How was your day, Sydney? I went down to that farm on Church Overhill, you know, the spooky death magic one. You, you left the campgrounds? Yeah. Lucille was with me. Hmm. 
And the gravediggeress had a bone hand and she beckoned Soren to step onto the soil and become a zombie like her. I think she wanted me to walk to her and it was really cool. You know, her eyes were super unnerving. You don't normally see eyes like that on people and they were total voids and I thought are, maybe... Are, are, are you all right? Mm, I suppose. Why? No particular reason. Uh, next time, please tell me before you leave the campgrounds. Not that you can't, not that I want to control you or anything. I just want to know you're safe. Not that you'd have come with me anyways. I'm going to bed. Wait, I'm sorry. Mm. I, I guess I'm still a little... It's all right, Jetty. Don't worry about it. I know you care, and I love you. I love you too. It's fine. I really am tired. I I'd like to rest. Okay. Sleep well. You too. Good night, ghost recorder. Today's episode was written by Blue Mayfield and Nicholas Belove. The part of Sydney Sargent was played by Blue Mayfield. The part of Jedediah Martin was played by Nicholas Belove. The part of Salem de la Marnier was played by Crystal Lee. The part of Marisol Yuchenko was played by J.V. Hampton Van Sant. Camp Here and There is the sole intellectual property of its production company, Mayfield and Belove. All music composed by Will Wood and produced by Jonathan Maisto. Sound editing by Cut by Frank and Beetle Sprite. Special thanks to our patrons, Vance Barnhill, Alex Rubitsky, Olivia Lozito, Frogs and Bogs, Connor Darrow, Generic Waffle, Maury, Lise, and Sarah Sweetheart. For behind-the-scenes material, exclusive canonical content, interactive events, and early episode access, consider signing up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash mayfieldandbelove. Our Discord server is a great place to meet like-minded fellows and discuss today's episode. Find the link at mayfieldandbelove.com. Lastly, if you'd like to support us, the best thing you can do is to spread the word about the show. Thank you for listening to Camp Here and There, and remember, your bones want to be dry. <laughs>